This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello and welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, the founder of MrDad.com. Starting a family has dramatically changed in the last 30 years. Not only are there a variety of options for getting pregnant, but there is also an anxiety-inducing number of decisions facing newborn parents. Home birth or C-section, midwife or OBGYN, stroller or baby Bjorn. In this part of today's show, we're going to be talking with the new mom who understands these and a lot of other anxieties and has written a comprehensive guide to a healthy, happy pregnancy. She cites the latest research with a little bit of been there, done that experience and covers everything that parents need to know to make the best decisions for themselves and their babies. Notice that I'm saying parents because one of her major tenets is that dads have to be included throughout the entire process. A perspective, I gotta say, I'm all for. She even talks about her own pregnancy challenges, which include a miscarriage and a non-viable pregnancy before delivering her son. We're going to be talking with her about everything from the preparations you need to make in trimester zero to the fourth trimester challenges of managing newborn babies. I'm Armin Brat, and it all starts when Positive Parenting continues right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brat, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. You wanted to see me? Yes, please, have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team. But I don't think you can be an intern here anymore. <sighs> we want to hire you. You're, you're serious? Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. I won't let you down. I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat, and my guest for this part of today's show is Leslie Schrock, who's the author of a new book called Bumpin', The Modern Guide to Pregnancy, Navigating the Wild, Weird, and Wonderful Journey from Conception Through Birth and Beyond. Leslie, thanks for joining us. Great to have you. Great to be here, Armin. Thanks so much for having me. And Bumpin', by the way, has no G on the end, and it's like... <laughs> It's like the, the famous nope, baby bump. No, no G. Yeah, referring to the famous baby bump that we hear so much about. If you happen to spend any time in checkout lines, you, you know, which I think is the only time I ever see the word. Nobody ever talks about it except for when it has to do with Meghan Markle or somebody else. It's true. It's true. It's also a pretty good hashtag on Instagram. It's, uh, it's sure a lot of people are referring to their referring to their time in pregnancy, making it a little more fun. So yeah. I thought it was good. a kind of festive, light way to to refer to the whole process and also the hard parts. Well, 
let, let's talk about the different part because that's what that really intrigues me. I mean, we were talking about this just before that we went in the air. That you know, I I spent some time in the the pregnancy and childbirth and parenting space, and and you're in there, and there there are a lot of a lot of books. There's no question about it. I mean, and and so both of us as as authors have tried to find a way of carving out something unique. And what's what's new? What's different about bumping? compared to books that other you know that, that people might have seen before and I'm not going to mention any of them because I like yours better. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so you know a lot of this was written uh through my own lens uh as a long-term health entrepreneur and then you know entering this space as someone who had never, you know, really uh thought about pregnancy until age 36. So I was a working, you know, a working mom. I'm still a working mom. And really, when I started looking for resources, I didn't find anything that kind of acknowledged both the good and also the hard um, of being a working parent. I think, and it's both sides. It's, it's mothers and fathers, um, you know, regardless of what kind of partnership you're in, um, whether you're the birth parent or not. Uh, I think it's uh, one of these times of life that's really transformative, and we don't often talk about uh, how much of a struggle it can be. So. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do with my book, and as I said before, you know, yours was was one of the ones I read towards the end of the process. And my husband is very grateful for uh, for your voice and for your advice uh, for him. But I don't think we, you know, generally do a good job in pregnancy books of both acknowledging the whole process, not just the health, not just the morning sickness. Um, but, you know, talking about conception and how hard that can be, talking about financial planning, because that will dictate, uh, according to many studies that have been done, you know, whether or not having a family is a net positive or net negative for you and your relationship. Uh, and then talking about the hard stuff, um, talking about miscarriage, talking about, uh, you know, what can happen when something goes wrong during testing or you come up against something very difficult, as I did. Um, which I, you know, talk about very candidly because I, uh, you know, did not have uh, anyone to talk to really about, you know, what happens when you when you have a, a pregnancy that's not viable, uh, and then you know you find out you have to actually terminate it. It's a very strange place to be. Um, so, oh yes. No, I was just saying, ooh, just as yes, <laughs> you know, that's the, the yeah, that's how gut it felt. punch it kind felt of like, thing. Yeah. Uh, a punch in the face. Um, yeah. It was the worst day of my entire life the hardest thing I've ever been through. So, um, you know, but I think that until people start standing up and talking about their experiences uh, and being, you know, candid about how difficult it can be at times, um, basically everything that could have gone wrong for (laughs) for us uh, did end up going wrong. And even with all the great information I had, even though I was writing this book in real time while I was pregnant, in the end, uh, I had no control over the process. I did the best I could, but you know, I still ended up with a C-section. Breastfeeding ended up not going so well for me because I was very anemic and had some supply issues. So really, you know, I think when, when you're talking about what's different, I think I'm trying to build a holistic picture of how pregnancy changes your life, yeah. not just managing your symptoms and, and dealing with the medical system uh, and acknowledging that, listen, like you're not in full control of it. And I think one of the the real disservices we do to parents uh, is is – um, you know, perpetuating this message that there's one right way to do everything. There's one right way to parent. There's one right way to have a baby. And in the end, uh, you know, nature has sometimes a different plan for you. 
And then the most amazing thing that, that always is running through my mind, but it comes to the fore when I hear somebody like you talking about all the complications is that, and you're probably going to want to go and do it again, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, I sure am. I mean, it's uh, even with all of the even with all of the craziness. I mean, this is my son is the greatest gift of my life. It's an absolute joy every day to get to see the world through his eyes. Yeah. It's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful thing. Let's start at the beginning, and by by the beginning, I mean actually before the beginning, before the pregnancy. Since I've been in the field, it's been hard to think about this, but more than twenty years since the first edition of my my first book came out. And a lot has changed, and one of the big changes is technology. And you said you, you know, you're talking about how you had access to 20 different healthcare providers. That doesn't even count the chat groups you could you could get into on the internet or <laughs> the magazines. Or there are just so many different ways to overwhelm yourself with information. How do you suggest that people who are planning a pregnancy, and not all pregnancies are planned, of course, but just say even you know, at, the, at the beginning, how do you suggest that people filter out the garbage and find actually helpful, not shrill information. Yeah. I mean, I struggled with that myself. Uh, the first, you know, I had three different pregnancies. The first two, I was, you know, kind of a basket case. I was, I was anxious. I was doing all this self-tracking. I was trying out all these apps. And at the time I wasn't actually writing the book um, and, you know, did not have the perspective I did now. But I think we live in a world where there is too much information and too many opinions and too many kind of self-styled experts who actually perpetuate a lot of pretty destructive uh, mythology around, you know, different aspects of this experience. And as we know, as, as you know, now parents, no, no two kids are the same, no two pregnancies are, are the same. So I think it's a matter of, you know, number one, really making sure that anything that you uh, look at, if there is research in that area, that you look for something that is, you know, scientifically or clinically validated. Um, there are obviously lots of areas of pregnancy and conception that are not for very good reason, because doing medical research um, on pregnant women and, and fetuses is uh, not ethical. Um, however, we're really suffering as a result of it, because now there is just so much that we don't know. Uh, but one thing that's also you know, I think pretty different about uh, the perspective that I've taken is that, you know, again, I don't think there is a, is one right way to do this. Uh, there are lots of different practitioners that I interviewed for this, which meant I had lots of access to them personally as well, which was really a, a, a big blessing for me. Uh, but I think that you can blend the best of, you know, non-medicated uh, childbirth and, you know, pregnancy with obstetric care. Um, and you can kind of make it what feels right to you. So, and I, I think that that's a, a big message that I would uh, also like to really communicate to people who are who are thinking about going into this is that, you know, at the end of the day, you know your body, you know what is important to you and your partner and your values, and really, it's a matter of finding solutions that feel right to the to the two of you. Absolutely, yeah. That's which is something that it, it also needs to be brought out more. I think in in many other resources, which is what we, you, know, you and I were talking about this a little bit before the relationship and how much needs to be discussed by both yeah. people. Yeah. And, and instead of having everything geared towards one person, and I know that it's difficult for a lot of guys to, when they start going to the, the OB visits, which I recommend and you recommend that the guys go along to as many of these things as they, as they possibly can. 
uh, for them to, you know, they often feel shantara to the side or ignored or not respected or whatever it is. And that that has to change. It's it's just, it's not good for the pregnancy. It's not good for the mom. And it probably begins to create an environment where the dad feels separated from the baby even before there is a baby to be separated from. Yes. Yeah, and look, this is a huge, huge transition for any relationship. Um, you know, conception can be very stressful to a relationship. A pregnancy is certainly very stressful, but it all kind of pales in comparison to the to the day you bring uh, that baby home, and you kind of look at each other and think, like, now what? Um, and no amount of help in the world can really replace. Uh, you know, having a good good relationship and good conversations. Talking with Leslie Schrock, who's the author of Bumpin', The Modern Guide to Pregnancy, Navigating the Wild, Weird, and Wonderful Journey from Conception Through Birth and Beyond. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Going to keep talking to Leslie. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. Am too, am too. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Hey, there he is. How's it going? I'm having a stroke. Are you going to shake my hand or what? I'm having a stroke. Wow, you're not even moving your arm. I'm having a stroke. Are you okay? I'm having a stroke. Your face looks weird, too. I'm having a stroke. Are you having a seizure or something? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. I'm having a stroke. You just need to know the sudden signs. Look for FAST, F-A-S-T, F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, or S, speech difficulty, then T, time. Time to call 911 immediately, because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment, and that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. Know the sudden signs. Face, arm, speech, time. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Now, get ready for more positive parenting with Armin Brott from the MrDad.com radio network. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott. If you're just joining us, talking with Leslie Schrock, who's the author of Bumpin', The Modern Guide to Pregnancy. And we were just talking about uh, the importance of communication. And I I had to cut you off. (laughs) Absolutely. So... Yeah, one of the things, you know, I interviewed a number of uh, different types of therapists and coaches, and one of the women that I spoke to is actually a family relationship coach, and she suggested, and something I implemented personally, 
uh, talking to your partner before the baby arrives, talking about your intentions as a parent, talking about what kind of parent you would like to be, and then also talking about how you want to show up for each other and the ways that you want to try to maintain your relationship once that baby arrives, and really starting to put those practices into place before birth, because if you practice and you get good at it, uh, you know, chances are it'll be a little easier once you have a big disruptive presence around. And so, you know, the, the book is, is split up into, you know, things that I would say are, you know, clinically validated, inter- interview-based, you know, guidance, the guidebook part of it. And then I do have, think of them as field notes. I do have my little anecdotal notes in there about, you know, what my husband and I chose to do during during our journey, but really I found those, those talks that we had uh, before our son came along to just kind of level set about, you know, what both of us wanted to do. He was in charge of diapers. I was in charge of, you know, feeding the little guy for, for as long as I could. Um, and we really c- continued to talk about that and, and really our values as we wanted to, uh, you know, impart them to, to our son and, and the way that we wanted to live. You know, there's a lot of things that, again, have changed since since I got started in this field. I think that there was a lot of talk about hair dye and changing litter boxes and all sorts of things that, that are, are less cons- people are less concerned with now, I think, generally speaking. What are some things, some, some myths that you bumped up against uh, that you might have been surprised at? Well, I'll tell you one thing, actually, that I'm that concerns me, and it's still not really uh, being talked about in the media the way it should be, but that is CBD use. So many, many pregnant women right now are using CBD, which is now found in sodas, it's found in tinctures and oils, um, all kinds of candy, uh, and it's just kind of out there because it's kind of a gray legal area compared to THC, which it's very closely related to, but... Uh, the myth that CBD is safe for pregnancy, the FDA actually just chimed in and has regulation, well, no regulation, but guidance on this as of October. And, you know, I've seen so many pregnant women use this for aches and pains, for all kinds of stuff. There's no question CBD has amazing medicinal properties, but if you're considering using it during pregnancy, it's not a good idea. Now, this also goes for guys. We know that THC changes sperm. Yeah. Uh, we know it. it. That's that's not a question. It's it's been answered. Oh, it has. And been. really, during the con- yeah, during during the conception process, um, you know, any marijuana use is highly discouraged for men as well. So, well, just yeah, just, in, just so a you know, study in the book actually that if you want to read about it, it's uh, footnoted. Well, there was. I was just going to mention a, a different study, which was talking about how the changes in the sperm can be multi generational. They're they're finding out how, yeah. having to do with epigenetics is that boys who are conceived by a father who's been smoking dope before the the conception, those boys may have uh, a higher percentage of abnormal sperm. So it's it's not something to yeah. play with. Yeah, and you know, no. a, along those along those lines, I'm just curious about. I remember in, in, in the early days when my, my wife was pregnant with our, our first one, there was very much a sense in the childbirth prep classes that having an epidural or a C-section was a kind of failure in a way. And that, that I, I think that that's changed. I think that's not being taught in the, you know, the, these it, primal emphasis on natural childbirth is not the focus anymore, that there's some acknowledgement that 80% of women have epidurals and that C-sections are just a thing. 
But what what do you think about that? Because I, I, I think that still a lot of women, whether it's being taught in the classes or not, still see natural childbirth as really the only way and that they've failed if they don't. I definitely take issue with this. Um, and I, I, I did so before I went through my own childbirth experience, which I can talk about a little bit. But I really take issue with the, the whole idea that a, a childbirth is natural or unnatural. Is a C-section unnatural? I think that Anytime a baby comes out of your body, uh, you've given birth naturally. There's no artificial uterus involved here. So uh, I think we really have to stay away from that language uh, because it gets quite judgmental. Uh, And I think it is still a huge issue for women. I've had anecdotally a number of people ask me if I was very disappointed that I ended up with a C-section. And I said, actually, no, because if I hadn't had a C-section, we both would have died. So I'm pretty happy, actually, about the C-section, if you want want my honest opinion. Uh, And I kind of refuse to see it as a, uh, you know, a failure, uh, as, you know, failing my transition into parenting, which is such a common uh, common thing. It causes postpartum depression. You know, I was in labor for, I I was, uh, you know, my bag broke. And from that time to the time that we finally pulled him out, it was 65 hours. I was in active labor with uh, a nitrous mask and no epidural for a long time. Um, I felt him get stuck, and I knew that based on, you know, I wasn't uh, dilating enough, and I knew that an epidural was probably a good incremental step to try to avoid a C-section, and when I was still only six centimeters dilated, uh, you know, 12 hours later, uh, I knew that, you know, that's that's what we had to do uh, eventually because he had, you know, his, his head was too big and he was stuck. So, um, yeah, I think we have to get away from this language that natural is the only way. Also, the whole notion of natural childbirth, uh, the founder is, is a guy who thought labor pain's not even real. So, you know, when I look at some of the people who, who have these, um, who are out here kind of perpetuating this this idea, I think it's a really dangerous thing, and I think it, it causes a lot of mental uh, mental issues that relate to uh, to therapy later. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. So, what is something in over the process of researching the book now that for your your second baby you're going to do differently? Oh wow! I mean, I think that I'm going to continue to, you know, that's a great question. I think that I would like to do more of my prenatal care with a midwife. Um, I probably have, I almost certainly have to get a C-section again because I have a, what's known as an inadequate pelvis. Uh, We really need to change some of this uh, terminology. (laughs) The language is so horrible. (laughs) Yes. And and you're a bad person too. Oh, of course I, mean, I am. Yes, I'm a bad. I'm a failure as a parent. I'm a bad person <laughs> with an inadequate pelvis, a geriatric pregnancy, all of these terrible words. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I actually, by the time the third pregnancy rolled around, I had it right. Um, I would maybe start my pelvic floor therapy a little bit sooner this time. Uh, I think that that's something that, you know, we don't do a good job of talking about, certainly in this country. But in France, pelvic floor rehabilitation after birth uh, is just a standard of care. Women get, you know, 10 or so visits um, to a pelvic floor therapist. But I would actually like to do more targeted, um, you know, work and, and really continue to do that uh, with this with the second pregnancy uh, if I can. Insurance pays for it. So it's, you know, it's a copay. And 
I'd like to get a little more serious about that sooner. But otherwise, I feel actually pretty good about the way that things went and the kind of care I, I had um, and the kind of care that I sought out. But again, you know, I had the benefit of kind of getting to try everything yeah. uh, in, in service of the book. I really tried to be kind of a guinea pig for everything so that I could write about it both, you know, anecdotally and then really, um, you know, critically, because uh, I tried not to insert my opinion into the science sections because, right. you know, there are a lot of studies that have been done. But I do think for the framing of certain things and, and presenting different care options, it was really important for me to to actually kind of, you know, put my money where my mouth was and, and give it all a shot. We've been talking with Leslie Schrock, who's the author of Bumpin', The Modern Guide to Pregnancy, Navigating the Wild, Weird, and Wonderful Journey from Conception Through Birth and Beyond. It's really a, a refreshing book that covers a lot of great territory. And so you'll learn a lot of stuff. I learned a lot of stuff. Leslie, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Armin. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask. Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behaviour through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. And 1500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. So when you hear this sound, rethink your behaviour. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat, and it's time for an Ask Mr. Dad segment. Dear Mr. Dad, we're a pretty busy family. Our three kids are in lots of extracurricular activities, scouts, music, sports, drama, and we also do a lot of things together as a family. Lately, the kids have seemed more run down than usual. I'm feeling a little guilty because I suspect that it's because they've got so many things going on. How do you tell when your kids are doing too much? Sounds to me like your kid's lack of energy is the result of burnout, and I agree with you. The likely culprit is trying to cram too many activities into too little time. But don't beat yourself up too badly. Childhood burnout is incredibly common these days, and with pressure coming in from all sides, friends, family, the community, schools, and the kids themselves, it's hard to say who's responsible. Extracurricular activities are important, of course. They give kids a chance to interact with their peers somewhere other than school. They can teach kids important life lessons, such as teamwork, self-confidence, and self-sufficiency. Encourage them to develop skills and experience they'll need later in life and help them become well-rounded adults. That's great, up to a point. And that point is when extracurriculars leave little or no time for children to just be children. Kids, like all of us, need time to do something other than work. Time to think and time to just hang out and do nothing. The fallout from non-stop activities goes well beyond exhaustion. Overbooking can lead to anxiety, depression, a nagging feeling of never quite being good enough, and a complete rejection of any and all activities. Perhaps worst of all, 
Experts are finding that the more time kids spend doing structured activities, the less they're able to think creatively and imaginatively. In other words, too much structure can give lead to rigid thinking. Let's get back to your question. How do you know if your children are too busy? Whether they're involved in activities they picked, you picked, or a combination, here are some signs that your children could be in danger of burning out. Frequent headaches. Occasional minor headaches are normal and shouldn't cause alarm. But if they're stronger than normal, last a long time, or happen a lot, it's possible that the child isn't getting enough sleep or that he's feeling too much pressure to perform, either from you, his coaches, or his peers. Stomach problems. Kids have been using stomach aches as a way to get out of doing things since chores were invented. But if they're real, stomach aches could be a symptom of stress or anxiety. And even if they're not real, they could be your child's way of saying that she needs a break. Temper, temper. Don't chalk up irritability or short temper to just being a teen or having an off day. Overreacting and snapping at people for no reason is another subconscious way of saying, I need a break. The answer to the overscheduling problem is simple. Stop it. Go over your kids' schedules and figure out which activities are most important to them, not to you. Then, together, look for ways to free up some time. And be careful that you don't turn around and fill up those empty hours with new activities. Instead, unplug, unwind, and do nothing. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.